You can pray until you faint. But if you don't get up and try to do something, God is not going to put it in your lap. And it's no need of running and no need of saying, Honey, I'm not going to get in the mess. Black Power Talks. I'm Dr. Matsumela Odom. Uhuru means freedom in Swahili, and freedom is on our minds 24-7. On this episode of Black Power Talks, we're discussing the defense of the African community. From Friday, September 2nd through Sunday, September 4th, 2022, the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement held its 30th annual convention in St. Louis, Missouri. The theme of the convention was defending the black community. We are our own liberators. The theme for the 2022 Impedum Convention had historical and immediate importance to the liberation of African people. The International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement was officially chartered as a national organization on April 6, 1991 in Chicago, Illinois. April 6, 1991 was the 23rd anniversary of the assassination of little Bobby Hutton, the youngest founding member of the Black Panther Party in Oakland, California. Chicago was also the place where Fred Hampton and Mark Clark were assassinated, December 4, 1969. These assassinations represented the counterinsurgency war that the U.S. colonial state waged against the African Revolution of the 1960s, the Black Power Movement. Impedum was organized to defend the African community and bring the African community back into political life. In recent months, white nationalist powers and their collaborators have increased their assaults against Africans and other colonized people. This includes the May 14, 2022 mass shooting in Buffalo, New York, the May 24, 2022 mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas, and the July 2nd, 2022 flamethrower attack on the Uhuru House in St. Petersburg, Florida. The apex of this assault against African independence has been the July 29, 2022 Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, military assault against the Uhuru movement. The convention was dynamic. Some of the highlights were the Black Star Awards on Friday evening. The Black Power Blueprint Tour on Saturday, September 3rd, and the panels and elections on Sunday, September 4th. The convention even had a name-changing ceremony. 
As part of the ceremony, our very own Dexter Emlyn Wingu received a new name, Kanji. The newly donned Comrade Kanji moderated the capstone panel entitled African Community Defense and Survival. This panel included Chairman Omalia Shetela of the African People's Socialist Party, Chimurega Silimbao, the National Director of Organization for the African People's Socialist Party USA, Alderman Jesse Todd of St. Louis, Dr. Aisha Fields, Director of the All African People's Development and Empowerment Project, and Amanda Wallace of Operation Stop CPS. Comrade Kanji began the panel with an important overview. So I want to start off by saying that on July 29th, the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation, or the FBI, attacked the African People's Socialist Party and the Uhuru Movement uh, members uh, in the early morning of July 29th. Our uh, our movement spaces institutions were raided in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, St. Louis, uh, Missouri. Uh, we had members of the organization, including uh, Chairman Mike Chatella and Deputy Chair Ones Nechatella, who had their place. Uh, they're placed, you know, busted in. Um, they were taken out uh, by these uh, FBI, by the state on this day. Um, you know, and the whole claim uh, behind that, it was a claim that this assault was based on a political association that we have with Russia, the people of Russia. They claim that the party was forward in Russian foreign policy, but the reality is that this is just a poor attempt to isolate the African People's Socialist Party and the African Liberation Movement and disconnect us from other oppressed peoples around the world and any other anti-imperialist forces who will support the African liberation movement. This is the truth. So it's a desperate uh, desperate lash out from a dying colonial capitalist U.S. government still reeling from its own instability, fragmentation, and isolation. So Peter knows that an attack against the Yehuda movement is an attack against Africa and African liberation. It's an assault against uh, African liberation in the 1970s. The Zimbabwe African National Liberation Army promoted the term, we are our own liberators. As part of the anti-colonial struggle against the white nationalist Rhodesian government of Ian Smith. This model underscored the importance of African self-determination. It was a pushback against white nationalist colonizers and the ideological imperialist liberal left colonizers. Defending the Black community, we are our own liberators, is the appropriate model for this panel. It underscores the programmatic character of our convention and what we need to do to get free. Kanji was followed by Chairman Omalia Shetela. In his address, Chairman Omalia Shetela laid out the crisis of imperialism. The July 29th attack against the Uhuru movement represents a social system in disarray. Yet, as NDO Chimaranga also noted, even though the system is in decline, this does not mean it has stopped being dangerous. In his address, Chairman Omalia Shetela notes that theory and the people are our best defenses. Thank you, comrade. Um, actually, I spoke some of this about this uh, the last intervention I just made when I talked about the question of the state and the colonial capitalist state. Uh, <clears throat> what I really uh, would like to do is to try and help us to understand uh, that 
even though uh, many of us have come into political life at a time uh, where social media uh, have defined what being in the movement and struggle uh, are all about. The reality is that we are in a serious contest uh, against uh, an entire social system that right now is involved in fighting for its very life. It's always bad, this social system. The colonial mode of production is always bad. It always sucks the blood and life and resources uh, uh, from, from the people, from the planet Earth, in fact. The whole Earth is currently being challenged, as you know, the existence on the planet by the existence of the social system. So it's always bad. Uh, but now uh, it is experiencing a severe crisis and it's lashing out in, in uh, some very serious ways. When we look at what happened on July 29th of, of this year, uh, the military assault on our homes and offices. Uh, you cannot see uh, these assaults in isolation from all of the other moves and maneuvers and gestures uh, that uh, this system, uh, under the shaky uh, leadership of the existing hegemon, uh, is involved in. You cannot separate, uh, as our oppressors have told us in no uncertain terms. You cannot separate the attack on Redbud in St. Louis or the attack on uh, 18th Avenue or Tyrone Lewis Avenue uh, in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, from what you see happening in Ukraine, uh, what you see happening in the South, in the, uh, the, uh, 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 the uh, Pacific region uh, with a contest with China and what have you in Africa. You can't separate it. And you make a huge mistake if you do that, yeah. because you will not understand the weight uh, that we carry. Yes. And uh, the fact is, it's not a weight that is frightening. It's a weight that we volunteered uh, to take on because of the nature of the social system. The objective of what happened, one of the objectives of what happened on July 29th, uh, is to make a statement uh, that should frighten us and other people uh, to engage in the struggle. But the reality is what they did on, on July 29th should frighten us not yes. to be engaged uh, in this struggle. Yes. That's a hell of a statement to say that uh, if you just fight for the right to live as black people, uh, that this is what we would do to you. And uh, so uh, that's part of what the objective uh, was. I also want to say that that's one of the most obvious means by which the state attacks us. There are various other forms. There are various other things. This, this, this whole social system, you, you can get a sense of how shaky things are uh, with the existing social system, the existing mode of production, uh, in part because of the kinds of expressions you see uh, uh, within the superstructure. Because the superstructure uh, serves to uh, explain the existence, of, uh, it responds to the existence of a particular uh, economic uh, process, a, 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 a particular 
means by which the society secures uh, what it what it needs to live. That's what the superstructure ideas and all that stuff. It don't just come out of the sky. It's not just some smart guys wrote a dictionary or something like that. The superstructure, no matter what they tell you in the universities, is a response to the kind of social system, the kind of economic base of a society. That's what the superstructure comes from. And if you want sometime to get a sense of what's happening with the economic base, with this with this economic base, you can you can you can see it reflected in how the superstructure uh, functions. And right now, there's a tremendous amount of confusion in the whole system. The whole ruling class is confused. It's fighting for its life, but it's, it doesn't understand much of what the hell is going on. That's why they couldn't anticipate the economic crisis that we saw 2007, 2008. Everything blew up. They couldn't. They couldn't see it. They still don't understand exactly what it means because they can't see us. They can't see us because the process of colonialism erases us in a certain way. And when we begin to emerge, uh, that's the thing that's frightening and they, they, they have to act against us in a certain way. Africans everywhere have begun to redefine ourselves based on another material reality that we've come into contact with. This is a real world that we that's come to us now that says, this is who we are. That's, a, that's something that contributes to a certain kind of disequilibrium uh, in the whole system. Because again, if we are Africans, it's a real question. If we are Africans, who the hell are you? Who the hell are they? It's impossible for them to go easily with an assumption that we are Africans. Jesse Jackson tried to head us off at the pass when some years ago he had that meeting and came together with a bunch of Negro leaders and said, henceforth, we're going to call ourselves African-Americans because we were heading to Africa and he wanted that chain locked onto us so that we would still be stuck with the colonial identity. Right? Everybody's in Africa. Everything is up for grabs. All the ideas, assumptions, you see that every time, if you're looking on social media, if you're looking at what people are saying around the world, none of the old definitions work. People are even, even representatives of the ruling class are having to write these uh, tomes now about colonialism and talking about settler colonialism, etc. They are doing that. They've been prodded. Uh, but part of the reason they're doing it because something else is happening in terms of the economic base. And the economic base is a parasitic relationship. And the host is rejecting the parasite. Nothing works. None of the definitions work. People don't even know who the hell they are. So one point I want to make in terms of security and defense is theory. Ideology is critical to defense too because you can't defend yourself if you don't know who the hell you are. You can't. That's why you end up in Vietnam, yes. fighting yes. for the colonizer yes. against other colonized people yes. who you ought to be united with because yes. you don't know who the hell you are, That's right. you see. That's right. And the same thing, Africans yes. did that for France. 71% of the people who fought for France in Vietnam, of the French soldiers, so-called, were Africans, were people from Africa, for people who were colonized, except don't know who you are. But increasingly, the gap is being closed between 
this understanding. So ideology, theory, these are critical questions, too, in terms of defense. There's no institution here that's their institution uh, that's going to provide us the cover that we need. Our protection is where? In the people. Our protection is in the people. And that's why no matter whatever else that we do, the people is the best guarantee of the protection that we have. People need to say, that's my farmer's market there, and I'll do anything to protect it regardless of who comes and tells me something is wrong with it. People need to believe that there needs to be some place where these brothers and sisters who are mostly stuck in these prisons, these concentration camps called prisons, there needs to be an ability for them to be get out of those prisons, one. And two, there needs to be an ability when they get out of the prison to be able to be competent in their own communities to survive and feed their families and stuff like that. And there needs to be a place for them to be housed to do that. People got to believe in that. Our responsibility is in the people. That's where it is. So no matter what else, else we do, because the people can make the courts do what has to be done. Our responsibility is to go to the people. And so we say hands off Uhuru and hands off our Africa. Hands off Uhuru and hands off our Africa. Africa and African people are going to be free. And they're not going to be able to create some kind of narrative that's going to serve to end that. And the real thing that we have to do is to take this campaign into the masses of the people. And we have to also challenge those liberals and so-called leftists, et cetera, who have access to resources like lawyers and things like that, who want to leave us adrift because they are also trouble in many instances by the rise of African internationalism because it challenges their standing in the world as well. You understand that? They have, many of them have been able to be the primary spokespersons for African people. They travel the world speaking about black people and things like that. You can't even get out of town. Right? So we have to make that struggle. That's really important. Take it to the people. That's where the solution is. And we have to contribute to the people understanding how to serve uh, solve contradictions among ourselves. We have to end gossip. Yes. Yes. Don't gossip. Yes. Don't let somebody gossip yes. to you. Yes. I don't care who they're sleeping with. That's right. You know, uh, we have to end that kind of stuff. We have to end uh, this violence among the masses of the people. We have to give people an opportunity to solve problems differently. And now, what we have to do is we have to take this campaign. Uh, to the masses of the people and take it to the world. And then we have to help the people understand what the real contradictions are in the world. And, uh, uh, and, and we have to let the chips fall where they may. But we have to fight for our Africa and fight for Uhuru. Thank you, Comrade Uhuru. That was Chairman Omalia Chatella of the African People's Socialist Party. You are listening to Black Power Talks, produced by WBPU. Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. In this episode, we present excerpts of the panel Defending the African Community from the 30th Convention of the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement, held September 2nd through 4th, 2022, in St. Louis, Missouri. Chairman Omalia Chatello was followed by Chimaranga Silimbao, APSP National Director of Organization. Director Chimaranga delivered a presentation entitled 
what to do if you are approached by the FBI. Chimarga spoke on the encounters with federal agents and local police. He also spoke of the importance of discipline on social media. Even though the system of colonial capitalism is in a weakened state, it's still extremely dangerous. And we saw that on July 29th. We know that they will still strike out to attack the vanguard party of the African working class. The most important thing about your encounters with a federal agent, particularly face-to-face encounter, is not to talk to them. Not to talk to them. Silence. When I was a teenager, the FBI came to my mother's house. (laughs) And I thought I was very smart. So I'm going to trick them, right? I'm going to talk trash. And but you know what? I gave them probably more intelligence through talking to them than they ever could have got, got even in an open interrogation. There was no tricking them. These guys are trained to do that. That's what they're coming to your house for. They get information. Sometimes you're going to come hostile. Hey, hey, hey. And sometimes you're going to talk nice and calm and try to trick them. And all that's wrong. If you're not being detained, you're not being arrested, I'm closing my door. Now, in the case of this particular attack, they came with a search warrant signed by a judge and several prosecutors. Okay, you're going to recognize that search warrant, but Just because somebody says I have a search warrant and they hold on a piece of paper, that don't mean it's a search warrant. So what you have to do is read it, look at it, examine it, because what you're going to probably find is that it's going to limit. It's going to say this room, this room, this room is going to be specific about where they can look. And you should understand that. And the other thing you need to do is continue to say, I am not consenting to this search. I'm not consenting to this search. I'm not consenting to this search. So we want to make that extremely clear over and over again. Again, you want to check that paperwork. They they did identify themselves in, in this particular attack when they attacked the chairman's house. However, they came at five, five o'clock in the morning. And you know, they came at four o'clock in the morning to kill Fred Hampton. So one of the things you have to do is don't be intimidated. But you have to be in control of yourself so you're not making a mistake. If you start talking you could possibly tell them something that's not true. That's why you can't try to trick them. Because you know lying to a federal agent is a quote-unquote crime. You can actually create a crime for them by telling them something that's not true. By the way, I really believe that most of the information they come seeking, they already know. They already know. I don't know how many of you have 
ever been approached by the police and the police say, tell me your side of the story. You shouldn't have nothing to hide if you didn't do nothing. So tell me your side of the story. I want a lawyer. That's my side of the story. So you don't have a side of the story your lawyer ain't telling. So you have to be quiet again. Silence is the issue. Sometimes the contact by the FBI is not face-to-face. You should assume that every phone you use, they're listening to you. You should assume that. And if you assume that, you know you're going to be controlling what you say on the phone, right? You can't say anything you want to say on the phone. And if somebody on the other side of the line is trying to say something that you know shouldn't be said, you either hang up on them. Like, I'm not going to discuss that with you. Click. Because they ain't got enough brain to know that they are setting themselves up in YouTube. Or maybe they do. Because the police do that as well. We know they use informants. So we want to be real clear that they use phone surveillance, text messages, social media, instant messaging, all these things the police monitor. I know of a case in St. Petersburg, Florida, where somebody got arrested for having a toy gun in a video, and they arrested him for having a weapon. And you know how they found that? Because they saw the video on the internet. The police were monitoring his social media. And that's how he got arrested. So we need to be real clear. They're using a variety of methods, including human intelligence, which is informants. Snitches. You have to document these encounters with the FBI the best you can. Agent names, phone numbers, what agency you're dealing with. It's 20-something different intelligence agencies in this country, including DIA, Secret Service, CIA. The DIA, by the way, is the Defense Intelligence Agency. The Defense Department got their intelligence agency, too. So it's not always going to be the FBI. But these other organizations are just as dangerous. So you want to document everything you can, phone numbers, take photos if you can. And definitely, uh, you're going to probably get, if you are under a search warrant, you might get a receipt for property. But you want to make sure of everything that was taken. So if they don't have a search warrant to go in the kitchen, what are you going in my kitchen for? Search warrant say you go to the living room. Well, that's where you're going to stay. Don't go in my kitchen. And remember to always say, I'm not consenting to this search. So I just want to talk briefly about traffic stops, police encounters doing traffic stops. Because a lot of it is very similar. Same kind of logic applies. Show your ID. Identify yourself. But you are trying to end that encounter. Because you don't want it. The longer it goes on, the more likely it is to escalate. So you want to end it 
okay, the, the pig say, okay, you're going 80 miles an hour, and I'm going to give you a ticket. I'm not signing a ticket because I wasn't going 80 miles an hour. <laughs> I was going 75 miles an hour. Sign the ticket. So they will leave. By the way, if you don't sign the ticket, to them, they're going to say, you just created a crime of obstruction by not signing the ticket. Because the ticket is saying, I'm going to show up in court. So don't be lured into these confrontations with the police. Uh, The question of bicycles and pedestrians walking, being confronted by the police is really important, particularly in places like where I live in St. Pete. It's like Africans riding on bicycles everywhere. Bicycles are supposed to follow the same rules of the road as cars in all 50 states in the United States. Now, why am I saying that? Because they're going to say, you are riding on the wrong side of the street. That's why I'm stopping. And you're on your bike. And you're going to say, I'm on a bicycle. Well, they're going to say, well, you have to follow the same rules of the road. So don't set yourself up for that kind of situation. Social media while it's a great tool for organizing, uh, it's also one of the most dangerous places to be. Why do I say that? Because every day you can see people exposing themselves to security threats by exposing their location, exposing how they feel, who they're in love with, who they hate, Going back and forth in confrontations on the internet. No, no, no. Double no. Don't do it. In the party, we have social media protocols to say you can't go through these social confrontations on social media. Because that's just as crazy as you got 5,000 friends on social media. Mm I'm going to let you in on a secret those 5,000 people don't know you they are not your friends matter of fact speaking 4,999 probably the police (laughs) (laughs) so social media is a real problem, and unfortunately, I've seen people in our own movement make serious mistakes on social media. I woke up this morning. I felt so lonely. <laughs> Why are you telling the police that? Yeah, that, that's what I want to know, Chairman. I mean. Yeah, I'm on vacation in the Bahamas. Okay, well, you just set yourself up for a robber. Or state intervention. Because now I know they're not home. So we have to really be careful about the kind of things we say on social media, conduct ourselves in a way in confrontations with both state local police, 
We have to conduct ourselves in a way that we understand we're dealing with an adversary, an enemy of African people. That was Chimaranga Silenbao. Director Chimaranga was followed by Alderman Jesse Todd of North St. Louis. Alderman Todd delivered an impassioned defense of the rural movement. Alderman Todd noted the importance of service to the people and discipline. But one thing that uh, the chairman said that we always had to keep in mind, we always fought with, it's the people. I can't emphasize that enough. Being in electoral politics, and elected uh, six times in eight, 18th Ward, and been attacked by the, these politicians, bourgeois politicians. I can't emphasize enough the one word, the people. That's it. One word I want to repeat you have to be a servant of the people. You have to have integrity. You have to have truth. You have to be who you say you are. Because if we don't, we have an advantage. If we're who we say we are, right on. then they can't do anything. Because, but one thing you got to have, you have to have discipline. Yeah, you right. got to have discipline. If you have, if you don't have discipline, you won't have freedom. Because right. as a comrade Shimaranga was saying, he was reading down all those things to do and not to do. Mm-hmm. If you uh, don't do them, for example, some examples, I remember I've been in the black power movement. Some people were, for example, were doing things illegal like using uh, talking about weed and stuff. I'm just yeah. using an example yeah. of driving drunk or yeah. speeding. I mean, you, you have to be within the law. You don't want, that's the first way we can defend ourselves. That's the, also when we have discipline, the masses of people are going to be watching us. That's right. Because if we are no better, if we are the same as the ones that we're trying to get rid of and not any better, they're going to take the safe way out That's and right. not take us. So, we, right. so we're going to have to live by example. We can, we going to win, not can win. We, we're going to win. We are winning. We're going to keep on winning because what we're going to do is we're going to have the people with us. We already have the people with us. Right. Let's look at the program we have. And I use the word we got I'm a lifetime member of the right on, movement. Right on, right on. I'm a life, I'm down for life, down for life. Long as I have blood, long as I have breath in my body, I will be in the Uhuru movement and the Black Power movement. So I'm saying, well, we have something very concrete all over this building. We can paint point to our basketball. Yeah. It's not just to play basketball, but it's something that meets the needs of the people that, that they can see. People learn through observation and participation. They can see that we are well, our accomplishments. Yeah. They can look at the house that we have uh, for prison that we're uh, uh, opening up out of, out of market. And uh, also our building here. So what we had, uh, so we had the people. We had to go out in politics, and as our comrade said earlier, uh, comrade O'Malley said earlier, of course, elections uh, are not going to free us. They're not going to free us, but we must use air. We must be every place where the masses are. We cannot just remain amongst ourselves because we don't want to be preaching to, as they say, preaching to the choir all the time. 
We're going to need the masses of people to defend us. Yes. And once we got the masses of people, the FBI and all other agencies are, doing, are violating our rights in secret. They have to lie. Yeah. to say, For example, when they lie and say something about Russia. But what we must continue to do, we must continue to do what what is the winning strategy is to continue building, following our program. We don't have to break the law. We are not breaking the law. We can work within the law. They are breaking the law. They're the one raiding our places. They're the one. They're the ones tearing up our buildings and violating our rights. That was Alderman Jesse Todd of St. Louis. A little boy on the streets of Norfolk called me a nigger. I struck him back. Listening to Black Power Talks, produced by Black Power 96 in St. Petersburg, Florida. In this episode, we present excerpts of the panel defending the African community from the 30th Convention of the International People's Democratic Horror Movement, held September 2nd through 4th, 2022, in St. Louis, Missouri. Alderman Jesse Todd was followed by Director Aisha Fields of the All African People's Development and Empowerment Project. Under her leadership is Project Black Ankh. African Nation's own emergency response program. 
Director Field spoke of colonial capitalism's impact on the climate, the natural world, and epidemiology. She explained what that means for Africans and African community defense. She explained that Project Black Ankh is our solution. I want to really recognize the significance of this panel, um, which is discussing African community defense. This panel is helping to expose and clarify many ways in which African people must organize to defend ourselves in this period of deep crisis for the colonial state and world imperialism. It is precisely the fact that we have a to what end, which is the total liberation and unification of Africa and African people under a united socialist government that positions us to seriously address all of the major issues that not only confront African people and our survival, but that confront all of humanity and it is what will quite literally allow us to rescue the planet. Colonialism or the colonial mode of production destroys everything. Human beings, other animals that we share the planet with, it destroys the trees, the water, the very air we breathe. Every day we can see evidence of colonial capitalism and its destruction of the planet through the climate catastrophe that it has caused. We see flooding all over the planet. We see droughts. We see and we feel how hot the planet has become, how hot it is becoming. How many days over the last few months in your own community have you heard statements on the news about record heat waves? It's a record today. It's a record tomorrow. It's a record next week. It's a record for the next two weeks. And this is just the beginning. Although natural disasters are obviously not new, climate change increases their frequency and intensity, making it harder for those affected to cope with the impacts. Right now, African people and other colonized people are experiencing increased food and water insecurity and displacement. Often Africans and other colonized people are in the process of rebuilding from one disaster when we're struck by another disaster. As an example of what African people are confronted with right now, there's a situation and this is just one of hundreds but in Sudan right now, for example, climate change is exacerbating flooding and drought. Locust plagues present a constant threat, and food insecurity is affecting up to 6 million people. The U.S. National Intelligence Council wrote in its Global Trends 2040 report that the physical effects of climate change are likely to intensify during the next two decades, especially in the 2030s. More extreme storms, droughts, and floods melting glaciers and ice caps, and rising sea levels will accompany rising temperatures. Many scientists warn that Africa will be the continent hardest hit by climate change. As African internationalists, we know that Africa and African people around the world will be hardest hit unless we organize ourselves to defeat the colonial mode of production that is responsible for creating this contradiction in the first place. Colonialism is not only responsible for the climate contradictions that are creating humanitarian disasters around the world and specifically impacting African and other colonized people, but no matter how you look at it, colonialism is responsible for the various disease or health-related emergencies that are constantly happening around the world. Colonialism is responsible for cholera and Ebola. Yeah. It is responsible for malaria killing an African child every minute. It is responsible for the COVID pandemic and for the spread of monkeypox, something APTEP is going to have to speak to more in the coming days and weeks. Our party and movement are not simply content 
with summing up the contradiction or waiting for the next hurricane, the next mudslide or cyclone to occur, or for the eventual defeat of colonial capitalism. We are right now building our own independent capacity to respond to the growing needs of our people as we face the impact of climate-driven disasters and other imperialist-imposed disasters which affect us the most. AFDEX Project Black Ankh is our solution. The Ankh, the ancient African symbol for life, represents what our movement and what this process embody, which is life for the African world. Project Black Ankh's slogan, Red Cross, Get Lost, is a recognition of the fact that African people must have our own emergency disaster and preparedness program, and that parasitic charities and NGOs like the Red Cross do nothing to overturn the colonial conditions of African people, even as they get billions of dollars from the devastation that we experience during disasters. Project Black Ankh was initiated by AFDEP in 2014 as a response to the Ebola epidemic in West Africa and has been activated at various times over the last eight years to address emergencies in African communities in the U.S. One of Project Black Ankh's most important initiatives in this period has been the development of our international COVID-19 telehealth program, which has given African people from around the world access to free appointments with AFDEP medical personnel through online appointments or phone calls. I want to salute Dr. Loretta King, our lead provider for the telehealth program, and the other medical professionals who have donated their time and expertise to make sure that African people through Project Black Ankh have access to the information and support we have needed to navigate this crisis. Inspired by the incredible example of the revolutionary Cuban people and government, we are now developing plans to create our very own Project Black Ankh community response teams. These Black black Alt community response teams will be made up of Africans who will work in their local communities and who can also be mobilized to participate in regional or international emergency response operations. These teams will be trained to prepare their local community to respond to natural disasters like hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, and heat waves. They'll be trained to serve as health marshals at demonstrations and other political actions. These teams will also have important trainings in first aid and CPR, and other kinds of community emergency health training, like one that's called Stop the Bleed, which teaches how to make tourniquets, pack wounds, and take other actions to stop bleedings. Now is the time to launch a worldwide campaign to recruit African people with the mission to build and implement Project Black Ankh. Project Black Ankh is the only legitimate rescue for African people because it is a part of the process of building for African self-determination. Only an organized African nation can protect and defend itself. Only through being organized under the leadership of the advanced detachment of the African working class, the African People's Socialist Party, can we ensure that our building is not opportunistic in nature, but that it projects us into the future of a liberated and united Africa. So build Project Black Ankh, build the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement, build the African People's Socialist Party, build the Uhuru Movement. It's the only protection that we have. That was Director Aisha Fields of the All African People's Development and Empowerment Project. Director Fields was followed by Amanda Wallace of Operation Stop CPS. Amanda noted the importance of defending the African family and stopping the state-sponsored kidnapping of Black children as a means for our survival. Amanda states, in order for us to survive, we have to build protection for our most vulnerable population, our children. 
So as we talk about community defense, and when I saw the word survival, it reminded me that we have to remember first, before we can protect, we got to remember that as African people, we are in a survival mode. There are so many people that believe that we are living, right, that we are living and that we have this freedom that we do not have. And so it is time to survive. And when we think about Operation Stop CPS and Arrest CPS, which are which are organizations and campaigns that fight for the freedom of our children. We have to understand that in order for us to survive, we have to build protection for our most vulnerable population, which is our children. When Operation Stop CPS was launched in May of 2021, I I launched this because I was a social worker in this system. I saw what was happening. I saw that our children were being ripped from their safe and loving homes. And I realized that there was something that needed to happen. But when I started Operation Stop CPS, I did not even understand Right. I I can admit that I did not even understand the political fight that was required to take this system down. And so when uh, President Yesterday and I connected, it was like this is what was supposed to happen. Right. We have to have knowledge, knowledge of this system, knowledge that this system is inherently bad, that it was created to be able to oppress our people, take our children away and leave our parents defenseless. Right. And so being able to understand that and then bring the action to come and take our children back is what is required to push this forward. And so when we think about knowledge of this system, most of the people who, when they receive a knock on the door from Child Protective Services, they open their door. They open their door and they start to give so much information to the oppressors, information that then is later used to take their children away. And so as a part of community defense, we have to educate ourselves to understand that we do not have to open our doors. We should not be opening our doors for child protective services. And so that's a a simple step to be able to get us in power. Don't open your doors. Contact an attorney immediately. Right. And then also when you think of the Responding Power Guide, which is our flagship resource for families to be able to understand this system and know what to do if they get a knock on the door. We recommend that everybody, everybody have a copy of it, because when you look at the statistics, Right now, in 2022, 53%, 53% of African children will have a CPS investigation before they turn 18. So that's over half of our children will receive a CPS investigation before they become an adult. And then if we understand how this system affects our families generationally, we understand that that just continues to keep going. And that's why it's so important for us to stop it. This system will never stop taking our children because our children are a mode of production. They are a commodity for this system. And so to think that we can ever reform it, that we can ever make it better. I heard uh, President Kalambayi saying that earlier. We Reform is not on the ballot, right? Reform is not on, it's taking this system down and understanding that the power is ours. And it is only when we understand our power is when we step into it. And so again, if CPS knocks on your door, do not answer. Contact an attorney immediately. If your child is in school, 
When you receive information that you are under investigation, you need to go and pick up your child immediately and bring your child home. We are in the, the age of virtual, right? When COVID happened and they, we realized we can, we can come home and homeschool our children and do it ourselves. And so being able to, to say, nope, my child, I need a virtual option until the CPS investigation is, is done. So being able to be in, in power, because as a CPS investigator, I know that I would go to schools to talk to children and their parents had no knowledge that I was there. And so we need people to understand the underhanded tactics that this system uses in order to get information. Children are being strip searched at school. Children are being interviewed at their school. These things are happening while children, while you believe your children are are being protected and educated in the school system. And that's not what's happening, especially when The school system is the number one reporters, the number one reporters to the child protection system. Right now, children are going back to school. And the number one question is, how was your summer? That simple question, that simple question can lead to so many reports to child protective services. So my What I ask people to do is start having these conversations with your children. We talk about the revolution and how our children need to be a part of it, but they also need to be a part of our protection. And they need to understand that if somebody comes to their school to speak to them, I need need you to call my mother. I need you to call my father, my grandmother, somebody to get up to the school so that you put a barrier and protection between your child and the system. Right. And so, again, and then when we look at action. Because action, y'all, it is required. When I was there at the Black is Back um, conference uh, a couple uh, weeks ago, I showed a video of Miss Sellers. This two-day-old baby was ripped. Zephaniah was ripped from her hands at only two days old. Two days old because they said this mother was impolite. Impolite at birth. And when you look at how this this child has stayed in this this system, stayed in this system for over a year and the state of Kentucky tried to change his plan to adoption, tried to change his plan to adoption on September 1st. But Ms. Sellers was able to step into her power and say no. And that that did not happen. It still returned to child, returned to parent. But why is he still in custody? Why does this child have to be in his white foster home when he has a mother in a community that loves him? Well, we understand why, because this is how this system was created. This is the new auction block to take our children from safe and loving homes and then put them in homes that they see fit. But then we understand that these homes put them into the prison system homelessness and every other system that was created to take our children and and, and create a life for them that is not the one that we want for them. And so, again, when we think about community defense, it is so important that we organize, that we educate, that we empower our families with the knowledge that they need to move forward, because that's the only way that we are going to push this to the revolution that is required to get our children home. We got to go get our babies. We can't keep asking for them. Right? We have to go get our children to sit in, at, at home sometimes or go to families' homes when their children, I know, based on policy and the law, that their children should be home. There's no reason that their children should not be home. And I have to look at these mothers and these fathers crying and, and just, and just in, in trauma. They can't do 
anything else other than think about what is going on with their children. And to understand that the only reason that we are not going to get our children is because of the violence that has been imposed on our people for so long that makes us stop to make us when we know the address. Because when we have gone out to the home to, to, to protest, we've gotten cited. People have gotten arrested. But that doesn't stop them from coming to our houses and taking our children. And so this call is for action. We know, we know this system is not for us. We know this system no longer serves us. And so the question is, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to fight back against it? And so for Operation Stop CPS, again, that is working with individual individual families to push for change in their cases to get their children home. Since our launch in 2021, we have uh, successfully gotten 13 children out of the colonial grips of this system. And our plan is to get them all back, right? To get them all back. And uh, just recently, we had the National Day of Action with Arrest CPS and AMWO, the African National Women's Organization. It was nine cities. And these uh, African people outside outside of these uh, DSS agencies, CPS agencies, telling them that we are not going anywhere without our children. And that is what is going to be required. Um, and so you can support our work of Operation Stop CPS by going to our website, um, looking at the families that are, are currently impacted by this system. You can make some phone calls. You can send emails and let them know that African people around this, around the diaspora will fight back and get our children home. That was Amanda Wallace of Operation Stop CPS. You have been listening to Black Power Talks, which is produced by Black Power 96 in St. Petersburg, Florida. In this episode, we presented excerpts of the panel defending the African community from the 30th Convention of the International People's Democratic Ahura Movement, held September 2nd through 4th. 2022 in St. Louis, Missouri. We would like to salute Alika Ngoma, producer of our theme song, Get Up and Do Something. We would also like to salute all of the Black Power Talk staff and production team. Uhuru. You can pray until you faint, but if you don't get up and try to do something, God is not going to put it in your lap. And it's no need of running and no need of saying Do something!